America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about A.G. Merrick Garland and the Mask Madness in America, and Lauren Davis, Dallas Hero, joins me in studio. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, a Dallas-based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry. Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. The show today is going to focus nearly exclusively on the subject of the mask mandates in public schools. In the first five today, I'm going to share with you some research and some links for you to read about the efficacy of masks in helping or not helping to spread the, or whether or not they do anything effective with respect to COVID-19. I could not resist, however, a little two-sentence addition to a story we talked about yesterday. We've been talking about how the president of the National Association of School Boards wrote in to President Biden begging him to get after these parents who have the audacity to show up at public school board meetings and comment and care what their children are being taught. The two subjects this particular letter addressed, one was critical race theory and the other was COVID policy. In response, our Attorney General, the U.S. Attorney Merrick Garland, the U uh, Attorney General in Washington, D.C., ordered the, Dallas, the FBI, the entire national FBI, to engage in a project in all 50 states to investigate parents, to look into the conduct of parents. The claim is, you know, parents are unruly, they may be dangerous. The letter by the National School Board lady actually made reference to maybe these parents are kind of like domestic terrorists, you know, thinking about them that way. So Merrick Garland issued an order to the FBI, who in turn is now putting in place a massive, uh, in my view, witch hump, a massive investigation into parents around America about whether or not they're speaking up about uh, critical race theory or COVID uh, at school board meetings, uh, which is apparently in the eyes of many leftists just shouldn't be allowed. These parents should just be quiet and let the schools teach their kids what they want to teach, let the schools put policies in place, whatever they want to do, and parents should stay out of it. The reason I couldn't resist quickly touching on this story today is, as it turns out, Merrick Garland, the Attorney General in Washington, D.C., his son, his in-law, his daughter's husband, his son-in-law, has as his occupation, he's the co-founder of an educational materials company whose exclusive purpose it is, is to create and sell educational materials to public schools, which include a, include a significant component of pushing critical race theory. This is, I mean, you don't have to be a lawyer to get this. This is absolutely a conflict of interest. Merrick Garland's order to the FBI to get after parents around the country who dare challenge critical race theory as his daughter and son-in-law make their living selling critical race theory. Truly astonishing. You're not going to hear it many other places. Of course, the mainstream media won't discuss this, but that is just, you know, and not even a question. This is just a conflict of interest on its face. But the real thing I wanted to do in today's first five has to do with the mask mandates. And, you know, we talk many times on the show about vaccines and vaccine mandates and all sorts of issues related to COVID. But I really want to hone in today just on the subject of masks. If you go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, on the home page, if you, on the very home page, you look under shows, there's a drop down, you hit list of links. One thing I linked in there, and I urge you to read yourself, it is a link to a page on the website created by America's Frontline Doctors. On that page, and the, these people, America's Frontline Doctors, as the name implies, these are doctors. It's an organization created by All About Doctors, and this page from their website is a listing with URL after URL after study after link after link after link after link, all sorts of studies talking about whether or not masks are effective in preventing the spread of COVID or other viruses? Do masks really help in, in, in deterring the spread of COVID? One reason I want to do this today is that we have in this country uh, a pandemic of fear 
about masks. People are frightened to, to go any place without a mask on. They're frightened if they see others. And yet at the same time, since the very beginning of when we've been talking about COVID, we've had doctors around the country saying, you know what, this is kind of a medical school 101. Everyone learned from the very beginning of medical school, masks do not, do not prevent the spread of viruses. Doctors try to say this, and they are silenced, ridiculed, mocked, and even brought to the attention of for char and brought up on charges by state medical boards. And what they're pointing out is, as Dr. Simone Gold has said on this show, prior to the start of COVID, every study that ever got reported that you learn about in medical school tells you that masks are not efficient in stopping the spread of viruses. The virus, the virus itself is too tiny, cannot be blocked by a mask. So I sent a bunch of quick clips before. We're good. We have a great guest joining us in the studio. She is going to talk with us the rest of the show today about what's happened in the Dallas public schools. Sadly, which are the story you're going to hear, it is emotional, it is outrageous, and it's happening all over America. I just want to share with you one person's story. But first, in this first five, I want a quick play some clips. The first one I sent to Derek the Wonderful is a clip that of Dr. Fauci himself early on when COVID came along in America. Let's play Dr. Fauci. There's a lot of confusion among people and misinformation surrounding face masks. Can you discuss that? The masks are important for someone who's infected to prevent them from infecting someone else. Now, when you see people and look at the films in China and South Korea, whatever, everybody's wearing a mask. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You're sure of it, because people are listening really no, closely to this. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a, a droplet but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. Okay, let's cut him off. I have a bunch of clips to share with you and I wanna make these points before we get to talking with our guest today about what's occurring in the Dallas County Public Schools. Other clips that I just, I, I can't wait to share with you uh, are from a doctor who joined me on my show a few weeks ago, Dr. Angelina Farella. She's a doctor, a pediatrician in Houston, talks about the danger of, to children of forcing them to wear masks. But before I do that, this is just a smattering, just a hint of what you can read yourself from the America's Frontline Doctors site that I mentioned to you is up at our website. So one big study talked about that they cite, uh, it's, it's basically called face mask, the study is called face mask in the COVID-19 era. They run through three kinds of masks, you know, the kind that that's the, um, viewed as a certified um, N95 mask, it's kind of a, you know, it's, it's the high level uh, filtering face piece respirator. The second is a surgical mask, and the third is a kind that everyone wears every day, you see all over the place, a cloth mask of some kind. So they study, they, talk, they did studies talking about essentially, do these kind of masks prevent the spread of viruses? Their summary, the physical properties of medical and non-medical face masks, so either kind, the three kinds, suggests that face masks are ineffective to block viral particles due to the difference in scales. As you've heard doctors on my show say, the virus, the COVID-19 virus is as big as one one thousandth of one strand of hair. It's, it's you know, minuscule, not visible to the eye. So they say, for example, the virus SARS-CoV-2 has a diameter of 60 uh, nm to 140 nm, which are nanometers, billionth, billionth of a meter. While medical and non-medical face masks, their diameter, their thread diameter ranges 55 nm to 440 nm, making the point the holes that you can't even see in regular face masks are much bigger, larger than the viruses are. The mask cannot stop their spread. And in this particular uh, piece, there were, actually there was other, um, other, and for that particular citation, they're, they're citing to things, um, studies by the uh, Journal of Medicine. Um, they're, they're not just, this, is, this whole study is done by a doctor. Another good example, and I want you to, the, the article itself is entitled, The Science is Conclusive, Masks and Respirators Do Not Prevent Transmission of Viruses. And they go through. Again, read these yourself. Don't take my word for it. I am the first to admit, I'm not a doctor but I am actually 
a, a smart American, a determined American. I am willing to read and learn. And this is really where many Americans are. They say, well, I don't, I'm not a doctor, but I actually, I do care what other doctors are saying. So we have um, studies in that article I just mentioned entitled, The Science is Conclusive, Masks and Respirators Do Not Prevent the, the Transmission of Viruses, uh, runs through um, a study from the American Journal of Infection Control, uh, um, basically saying face masks using in healthcare, by healthcare workers and private settings not demonstrated to provide any benefit in terms of cold systems, getting colds, or other viruses. Similar epidemiology and infection study. I mean, I could, I could spend the rest of the show reading you out loud the names of studies, the findings they make, and the professional journals they come from. My point is, it is very important to understand that doctors have been trying to say from the very beginning of this outbreak that, that masks are not effective in stopping the spread of viruses, including viruses like COVID-19. On top of that, there are studies that show that masks are particularly dangerous for children. You may have noticed that it's kind of almost a fun story, if you can use the word fun, out of, of parents in Florida who actually got a hold. They had brand, either brand new or newly washed face masks, let their kids wear them for uh, half a day or, or a little more than half a day and sent them in to see what was in those masks, sent them into a lab to find out what was in the masks. So what they found in those masks that your, your kids breathing in uh, from the mask, um, streptococcus pneumonia, basically pneumonia, tuberculosis, meningitis, sepsis, enphalitis, encephalitis. I mean, it goes on and on and on. The, the stuff that was in these masks was horrific stuff. You never want your kid breathing, and that's what's in the mask. On top of that, for children, there is especially a harmful effect because children grow up. They learn as young children by being able to see each other, facial expressions, being able to read others' facial expressions and express themselves through the look on their faces. We have kids who've come up on a year and a half in life wearing masks all the time. And so you have hospitals reporting a significant increase in the number of young people, young children and teenagers, an increase in anxiety disorders and other mental upset because they're not functioning in a normal way. Again, I urge you to, to look at these studies yourself. You don't have to take my word for it, but I wanna make a couple other points before I wrap up my first five. Number one, in America, we unfortunately, as COVID came along, we had Dr. Fauci giving out his advice and interpretation on all subjects. We fell into the very unfortunate cult of experts, the worship of experts. Dr. Fauci, in turn, in his early on, as you heard him a moment ago, he said, you know, there's a, you know these whole um, you know, masks aren't necessary. People shouldn't be wandering around wearing masks. But as time went on, he changed, and now he's been pretty much strongly on mask insistence, even today, saying that kids should wear masks in school. So he's been pushing that, and what he's been doing is setting himself up, and, and he's not alone. I mean, the media has been complicit, other government authorities have been complicit, and treating him as the only expert there is on the subject. In the meantime, as, as COVID uh, moved its way through society, you had doctors in the hundreds and now the thousands trying to speak up and say, you know, as a matter of fact, uh, we, we aren't handling this crisis very well. We actually have treatments that are effective, but we can't get Dr. Fauci to acknowledge them. In fact, he not only fails to acknowledge them, he disses them, he dismisses them, he makes people alarmed, he mocks and ridicules them. Whether it's hydroxychloroquine, budesonide, ivermectin, all of the treatments were just, were taunted and ridiculed by him. On top of that, Dr. Fauci has been continuing to spread the notion that masks are effective, despite that, you know, he went to medical school, he knows about all these studies, all these doctors have been, have been trying to, to call to the public's attention, but if he dismisses it, pretty much they just get dismissed from the public and, and they, they aren't aware of them. I'm getting around to two quick points before I close. One is I want to play, this is the testimony of a doctor, I think it was Indiana, I forget what this was, Dr. Dan Stock. He spoke at a school board meeting in Indiana, what he had to say about the COVID outbreak and the public school's response to COVID. This is Dr. Dan Stock. And to address your comment, gee, it's hard to believe we're 18 months into this and still having a problem. And I would suggest the reason we still have a problem is because we're doing things that are not useful. And we're getting our sources of information from the Indiana State Board of Health and the CDC, who actually don't bother to read science before they do this. Um, I'm actually a functional family medicine physician. That means I am specially trained in immunology and inflammation regulation. 
and everything being recommended by the CDC and the State Board of Health is actually contrary to all the rules of science. So things you should know about coronavirus and all other respiratory viruses, they are spread by aerosol particles, which are small enough to go through every mask. By the way, the literature that supports all of that is in a flash drive that we presented to you. It's been given to the secretary. As a matter of fact, it quotes at least three studies sponsored by the NIH to that exact fact, even though the CDC and the NIH have chosen to, to ignore the very science that they paid to have done. Um, that is why you keep struggling with this, is because you cannot make these viruses go away. The natural history of all respiratory viruses is that they circulate all year long, waiting for the immune system to get sick through the winter or become deranged, as has happened recently with these vaccines, and then they cause symptomatic disease. Because they cannot be filtered out and they have animal reservoirs, and this is a very important point, no one can make this virus go away. The CDC has managed to convince everybody that we can handle this like we did smallpox, where we could make a virus go away. Smallpox had no animal reservoirs. The only thing it learned to infect was humans. That's why we were able to make that virus go away. That will not happen with this any more than it will with influenza, the common cold, respiratory syncytial virus, adenoviral respiratory syndromes, or anything else that has animal reservoirs. So the reason you can't do this is because- We can cut him off. Because I want the two things that really want you to gather from what he said. Again, an actual doctor actually treating COVID patients. Number one, he's saying that the masks are not sufficient. Not only not sufficient to keep to stop the spread at all of COVID, they don't do anything because the the uh, COVID virus is so small that it just makes its way through the masks. There's no value to them. He also makes a point, and this is one discussion that happens periodically uh, among people concerned about things as well. You know, what are all these crazy parents doing objecting to the vaccine, which we're not going to do vaccines and we're doing masks. But he's making the point I've, I've mentioned on the show before, and I wanted to hear you hear, have, have you hear him say it, was just because we ended smallpox by vaccines doesn't mean you can end COVID by vaccines because they're not the same thing. He used the expression animal reservoirs. Because there are animal reservoirs in COVID-19, you cannot wipe it out with a vaccine as they did with smallpox. But back to what he's saying about viruses. He's trying to talk to a school board to say, you know what, all the policies the CDC is suggesting are not consistent with the science that doctors know and understand. That what they're advising people to do does not make sense. One more quick clip. This is Dr. Angelina Farella, a pediatrician in the Houston area. That's actually, I would love to go in, uh, to that point and talk about that a bit. First of all, what is the survivability of kids who do contract COVID, the survival rate of kids in America who contract COVID? 99.997%. So it's, so it's basically a zil, it's zilch. I mean, these kids are not dying from COVID-19. Is there a good reason for schools to mandate masks for kids in order to protect against COVID? Not in my viewpoint, no. Especially in children that are under the age of five, this is extremely dangerous for those children. Um, we have seen more and more accounts of um, developmental delay, social delay, emotional delay, psychological um, emotionality increases. We're talking about severe anxiety, severe um, social so phobias. Um, these poor kids, they do not know how to read people's faces because they're always behind a mask. Okay, what I want to wrap up the first five by is saying this. Dr. Fauci's choices of pushing the vaccines, silencing doctors around the country, more than silencing, making statements that cause these doctors to become entangled in disputes with medical boards in their states, pushing the masks, failing to acknowledge the studies that were available and have been available uh, the entire time we've been dealing with COVID, has led to a pandemic of fear. Americans are filled with fear, unjustified by the facts related to COVID. And when people get hung up in this pandemic of fear, it leads to outrage, it leads to irrationality, it leads to anger. We are watching Americans turn against each other on the subject of masks, and you really have to hold, I mean, some of the Americans getting so outraged that everyone won't wear a mask everywhere they go. Those people are in some weird way innocent. Those people have been drawn in by the Dr. Fauci approach, which is to mislead America, to fail to, to share with America all the studies that show that masks don't help. And you know, it just, I want you to think about what, how different America would be. 
that the very beginning after COVID became known, we know for the first two weeks we had panic, shut down, all that. But after that, the doctors who began speaking up around America, doctors from highly reputable institutions, doctors who practiced medicine for years, doctors who were epidemiologists who were treating COVID patients, all of them speaking up on one issue or several issues, saying masks are ineffective to, to stop the spread of, vac of viruses. Everyone knows this. We've known it since you know, first year of medical school. Viruses cannot be, uh, we should not treat this virus as though there is uh, to just let it go when we have effective treatments. We should let people know about those effective treatments. Imagine how different America would be if Dr. Fauci had from the very beginning said, you know what, I'm going to share the stage with other experts. I'm going to let you know what they're finding out from their studies about COVID. I'm going to let you know what they are finding. The entire pandemic of fear, the, ad, the atmosphere of hysteria would not be there. So I hold not just Dr. Fauci exclusively, but the entire national NIH, CDC, FDA establishment that allowed this culture of fear to grow into utter panic spreading around the country and leading to the kind of conduct we're now going to be talking about next. We're going to be talking with a, a Dallas mom uh, who I'm so grateful could join me in studio today, Lauren Davis, her interaction on behalf of her children in a public school in Dallas. That's the rest of the show today is finding out what this, this uh, environment of fear has caused the way her children are being treated in public school. You can't believe this story, and I can't urge you strongly enough to share it with your friends when we're all done. And that, my very fine friends, is today's First Five. So joining me in the studio is Lauren Davis. She is a mom here in Dallas. Quite honestly, I learned about her this morning. Uh, she has been active in speaking up at the Dallas ISD uh, school board meetings. Um, but I want her to come in because I was actually, I'll just tell you that, my friends, I, I was sitting home today working on the show, and I had two different close friends of mine who happened to be at a meeting talking among parents about what to do about uh, facing the mask mandate in the Dallas public schools. And two different friends independently texted me saying, you really should get this lady. You've got to listen to her story. Listen. So I, I, I was um, very blessed to be able to reach out and connect with her. She was available today. And I want you to hear what happened to her and her kids in the Dallas public schools. Welcome to the show, Lauren. Gosh, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. I'm glad you're here. So you know what? My, um, Happy friends who are watching this, my, my listeners. Um, you know, we've talked about the mask mandates in schools and parents are showing up at schools, at school board meetings for various reasons to really to, to challenge the schools on the subject of the mask mandates and some of them on the challenge of the uh, vaccine mandates. Mm -hmm. I want you to start the very simple walk it through. Your children, you have two children mm -hmm. in a public elementary school in America. Mm -hmm. You had school year start, what is it now, eight weeks ago? No. Yeah, we're in week eight. We're so counting. We're in week eight. You're, kind of did. That's a sign. You're counting. Yes, yes. But okay. So just tell us what happened with your children. And this is, I'll just say that it's in, in Dealey Public Elementary, which happens to be a Montessori school. Happens to be pretty near our house. It's a public school that's Montessori in nature, two kids. And I'd love you just to tell the story what happened to your kids. Sure. Yeah. It's a lot over eight weeks, but we were shocked as a lot of parents were when the news came out that the district was going to strip us of our rights as parents to make a decision about masking our kids. So I had to make a decision at the beginning. Do I send them with a mask and just comply or do we not comply? And we decided on the first day of school we were not going to comply. And so since day one, both of my kids, an eighth grader and a fifth grader, they're 13 and 11 years old decided not to comply with the mask mandate and we armed our kids with the information we said we have our right to do this we don't believe in it and here's how to handle it when you walk into that school you're going to say no thank you we have no idea what these teachers beliefs are we have we are going to have empathy and compassion for the position they've been put in with no notice right to everything that this man superintendent hinojosa came down exclusive only to himself to make this mandate within the district and we're going to respect that but we're also going to re respect our own rights and so they walked in the first day of school and told the teachers and told students among so much harassment even in the first day no thank you they were offered masks and they said no thank you no thank you no thank you over and over and over again and starting on that day one they were put in the corner of their classrooms put plexiglass in front of them which is 
even more ridiculous than the mask because the virus just <laughs> yes. climbs right over, right. <laughs> climbs right over that plexiglass, and we're, we're isolated um, within the classroom. So that first week they were allowed in class, but my daughter tried to go to PE where she was coned off in PE, coned off. Okay, coned off. I sent Derek. I sent you some pictures that Lauren has sent to me. There we are. This is this is this what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. So literally, cones put in the floor. Your daughter forced to sit on this on the left side of the cones. This picture. Yes. Well, all the other kids played. Kids came up to her, calling her a Karen, and she cried. Her a Karen. A Karen. Yeah. A Karen. Of course, that's the new term, you know, for people who <laughs> have a problem when things go wrong. And that little girl sitting next to her. That was actually the second day in PE class where she was coned off and that little girl couldn't take it and went and sat with Caroline so she wouldn't be to by be her herself. Friend, too. To be her friend. Yeah. And mind you, I don't know that family. I don't know that little girl. And Caroline didn't know her prior to that day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What a sweet little girl. Put that picture up again. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. What a sweet little girl. I know you blocked the faces block, but she's like sympathizing with her. Yeah. The only person in that school who's shown any empathy to my child is a fourth grade girl. Okay. So they proceeded to cone her off three times that week in PE. I pleaded with the principal, Beth Wing, to do not do that to my daughter. Please do not. This is horrible. There's got to be another way. And they refused to do anything. They kept saying school policy, school policy. I said, show me the policy. Never once have I been shown any policy that it's appropriate for them to segregate kids behind cones while all the other kids play with their masks on. Then, so that, that was probably the worst thing that happened in that week, which was pretty awful. They tried to do that to my son, and he absolutely wouldn't have it. So then they just switched him to health class, just totally took him they out of took PE. took him out of gym. Yeah, class. took him out of PE altogether because he absolutely refused to do that. And mind you, my son took that picture because they won't let parents on campus. They're keeping us off campus. They won't even let us on campus. So I told him to take a picture and they tried to punish him for taking that picture for a misuse of a cell phone. Okay, again, for your son, eighth grade, 13, your daughter, fifth, fifth grade, grade 11. 11. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so then we go into the second week and I get a call at 7.30 in the morning while I'm getting the kids ready for school on the second week to the principal saying, Miss Davis, we are moving your kids to the library. And I said, excuse me, to the library? Are you kidding me? So they completely decided to go then up to this point to put my kids in the library. They withheld their education. They received no lessons. My daughter received no PE. They wouldn't even let my kids access the cafeteria. All the other kids have their masks off in the cafeteria as they eat and they would not let them step foot in there. Okay. In I the want to emphasize week. that point. Their, their big point was they're trying to say everyone has to wear a mask, but the other kids in the cafeteria eating the lunch don't have a mask on. There's no reason your kids couldn't be there. Sit just like the other kids. Yeah, and so the explanation I got was those are that privilege is for the regularly masked children. Regularly masked. Yes, it. and Miss Davis, there have been parents who have called up here, which I'm sure you can understand, who don't want their kids sitting next to you. So I've had parents at our school, reach out, go out of their way to call our principal to say, please keep my kids away from the Davis kids. That's to your point of fear. It's hysterical, people have lost their mind. Irrational fear. Hysterical, irrational fear. Irrational. Irrational. Okay. I mean, there was so much you told me on the phone. I want to just keep, keep Let's on go. going. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so over multiple weeks, they are kept out of the cafeteria. They're not giving lessons. Mind you, we are calling, we are emailing, we are screaming at the top of our lungs. You have to provide our kids an education. You have to. Um, there's no reason they shouldn't be in the, in, not in the um, cafeteria. And so I basically describe it as they get let out into the prison yard. So they get 30 minutes of recess during this time. Well, during this time, my daughter has been completely taken away from her entire peer group. She gets yeah. no interaction. So her brother is basically her comfort. It's the only person who knows what she's going through. And mind you, kids have told her she's going to die. She has to put on a mask. No one understands how, she, how, what her life is like in the library. She talks to her good friends and they say, well, you deserve it. You know, so there's no comfort there besides her brother. And so they have been playing together outside during their yard time, also known as recess. Well, with no notice, the principal comes up 
to Caroline and my son Pierce and says, per school policy, you can't play with the eighth graders over here. It's dangerous. And physically removes her from my son screaming and crying. She is hysterical, hysterical. The only person, I, I mean, it's almost hard, I will say, jump in. It's hard to remember for adults what it feels like to be 11. I mean, to be, and a girl, I mean, a little bit self-conscious, you're just kind of learning how to be social, and then to be isolated from all the peers your age, yes. boys and girls, have your one person you kind of know, your brother, and, and you're physically pulled away. Yes. Even your brother. Yes, and she's crying. And my son is there looking the principal in the eyes, saying, Miss Wing, Caroline is crying, crying. And Caroline says to her, Miss Wing, I think you're careless. I don't think you care about me. Look at me, I am crying. Please don't take me away from my brother. He's the only one that provides talk. me anything here. And so they do that. I call her, I call the principal, I tell her, why are you doing this? I email, you have to stop. Come again Friday because she was absent on that Thursday, that the principal sends out a teaching assistant to do the same thing. And this time that teaching assistant puts her body in between my daughter and my son and physically blocks her from it. And my daughter takes that woman's arm and pushes it down and says, you cannot touch me. You cannot block me from my brother. And it caused such an incident. They went and pulled all these kids in class and made a big deal of it, acted like they were gonna punish my daughter and my son, and then nothing happens but just rips her away. So from that point on, I'm having to pull my daughter, she is so traumatized by those situations, that I have to pull her every day at lunchtime. And I write on that sheet, break from child abuse. Right. This is the reason to give the school that you're picking your daughter up is break from child abuse. Yes. Okay, I don't, I don't get too far away from the library part, and maybe yes. you're gonna come back to that, but you yes. talked about what, that, what happened, that they force your kids, instead of being in normal instruction in class, yes forth in the library and you talk about what they did in the library yes yeah so let's fast forward up there's so much so my kids come home and stating mom they're measuring in the library so they've moved them all around in the library different parts and mind you the school is still accessing the library 100% of the kids are still going into the library they come home and say mom they're measuring what are they measuring for they don't know one haste to think okay okay so then on a Friday my son calls me and says mom they are building a box. They literally built a plexiglass box around my children. And they said they couldn't even breathe. They could not even breathe in there. Floor to ceiling, floor to ceiling plexiglass with, a, with an opening for the door. Okay, I, I gotta interject. Just picture this, your kids can't be in classes. They're forced in the library because they don't wanna be the mask people. Oh, is this the picture of it? Yes, yes, that is it. That is in the school library. Okay, so your kids are forced to live inside or go spend the school day inside a plexiglass yes. uh, container, floor to ceiling. Floor to ceiling. To protect them because they don't, from, I mean, to protect other kids. To protect from them. everyone else. They oh are my, treating they, they, my kids like they're a contagion. This is, this is the hysteria, though. I, I mean, I, I'm very down on this school right now and these administrators and teachers and principals, but this is a hysteria created by what the left did. But yeah. What Fauci did just create this, this, this atmosphere of hysteria and, and justifying. This is cruelty. To ch it is child abuse. It is, child abuse. it is complete child abuse. We, when I heard about this and my son took a picture for me, I said, give me a picture. They won't let me up there. Give me a picture of what it looks like in there. Mind you, the air conditioner wasn't working at this time in the library. So it is physically hot. There's no ventilation. There's no circulation in there whatsoever. And I, I said, oh my gosh, I, I cannot believe this. So we called the fire department and the city code City code never came out. They just opened to close it, but fire, the fire marshal came out and he cited it and he red tagged it. Red tag means it's a violation of the fire code. Violation. And he said he felt bad for those kids in there because it's no bigger than the inside of a car. It's like sitting inside a car all day, kind of says your mom. Yeah, Go ahead. like in a hot car. Yeah. With no air conditioner running. And so then I go up the next day and I demand to be let in the school or to receive pictures to, to know that this got fixed. And the um, executive director, Ryan Ziss says, uh, file an open records request. I said, 
I am not leaving the front of this school until someone gives me a picture and assures me that my kids are safe in there. So after three people, the assistant principal comes out and gives me a picture and a video of the modification they made. And they opened up a few panels at the top so the kids could breathe. So they can get air. Yeah, but they haven't oh given me God. any code. They didn't, they, they didn't follow any city code rules to build this, none. I mean, this, they're paralyzed, I mean, I'm not excusing them. They're paralyzed with fear or else they're just cruel. Maybe they're both, but that, that it's breathtaking. It's it, hard to know. It's hard to know what it is. Are these people monsters themselves or are they just, yeah. Yeah. Fear, just so fear ridden. It's, it's, those are the questions I've been asking them. Please have a heart. These are my kids. Every trusted adult inside that building is allowing this to happen. Right, no one's standing up and saying, okay. So you also, I wanna make sure we get, cause there's so much to your story and the people, for people to hear it in America, I think they realize this is fear gone to pandemic level and, yeah. and, and, and generate the outrage and, and just outrageous conduct by a school dealing with your children. So, yeah. so then you told me some more stories. So, so, um, so they're still in the library? They are Plus, still in the library. They're still in the library. They're still in that box. They gave them some breathing holes at the top of the, at the top of the box. They they won't, they they will not communicate with me. Everything's in writing now, and so, so we get through that. And then um, my son calls me one day at school and says, "I would like to go to the Gay Straight Alliance Club meeting, um, that's at school during lunchtime." Mind you. Let me back up one half second. We screamed loud enough about the cafeteria and the hypocrisy about that yeah. saying, why in the world are you keeping our kids out of the cafeteria if everyone else doesn't have a mask on? And the principal walks by my son and says, I called the health services department. They said, it's okay if you go back to the cafeteria, you're welcome. Just your son, but not your daughter? My daughter got to go. She okay. sits at a table by herself and my son got to oh. sit by her friends. So wow. we've been screaming about that. Give them a seat at least by their friends. And so for my daughter to have anyone sit by her, she's been told, you need to tell your friends to have their parents email the school and give permission. Oh my gosh, it, it's, it's, well, it's Orwellian, okay. So that, yeah, the lunchroom thing happened, then your son wanted to go to a meeting, a lunchtime meeting. Yes, I want to go to a lunchtime meeting. The principal says he has to wear a mask. And then I say, no, he's not wearing a mask. And then all of a sudden she says, okay, well, it's at lunchtime, he can go anyways. So he got to go to this lunchtime school meeting with 30 or so kids in the classroom, in the art classroom, unmasked. All the kids unmasked. All the kids unmasked because some are eating, right? It's a lunchtime. COVID doesn't exist when there's food present. Oh yeah, it's a special rule, yeah. Yeah, the restaurant rule, it applies. <laughs> the restaurant rule applies inside the building. So my daughter can't go to art class in that same classroom that my son was in there for a meeting with 30 students in one classroom with no masks. With no masks. And it was okay because it was lunchtime. It was okay, it was lunchtime. So I had it, we had it in our family. And so the next day, both of my kids willing by their own will because they see the hypocrisy and the fear mongering and the ridiculousness of it, they go back to class. And we said, okay, you're gonna go back in, but you're gonna be respectful and you're gonna say, I have a right to be here when they try to remove you. So sure enough, my son makes it through Spanish class. Nothing happened. The principal came down, said, Pierce, come with me. He said, I'm sorry, ma'am, I have a right to be here. I'm sorry, I have a right to be here. So then he makes it to his next class. And then with no notice, the principal walks in, whispers to kids three at a time and evacuates the classroom around my son during the middle of instruction. Oh my God. Three kids at a time, no acknowledgement to my child, no Pierce, I'm sorry this is happening. No empathy, nothing. Evacuates the entire classroom and then puts two teachers standing Le guard. Leaves your one, your son by himself after she's whispered to all the other kids, get out and get, evacuates the classroom around and leaves you, uh, it's breathtaking. It's breathtaking. Okay. And then my daughter didn't make it to class. They locked down the hallway. The entire hallway gets locked down. Every class, they lock her out of class. And uh, her science teacher at the school stands there in the hallway and ridicules her and laughs at her to the point where my daughter said, it's not okay for teachers to laugh at students. Yeah. Please stop laughing at me. And she sits there and is locked out of her classroom. And then with no notice, it, they open up the classroom. They've emptied out the class, evacuated her class and placed her in the empty classroom. 
I, I, I'm rarely speechless, as I told you earlier, but it is true. And, and I don't even know. I, I mean, I, you, you keep hoping in the back of your mind, like maybe these people, maybe that's what they actually think is necessary to these teachers and administrators. Do they think COVID is really like the bubonic plague and they actually have to do this to kids? Are they drunk with power? Are they afraid of other parents and litigation? What is it? But this is outrageous and again it goes back to the atmosphere of of uh, fear we've allowed to develop in this country the media has some culpability the uh, the federal authorities in washington dc and frankly when you when fauci sets that tone of fear-mongering it filters its way down to all the petty tyrants all mm -hmm. around this country been waiting for an opportunity to be in charge go ahead yes <laughs> yeah. so yeah and, and I'll, I'll remind everyone that my kids are two of 600 that started off this way we had some families two other families that kind of came in and broke under the pressure, right? And then they came in wanting to go no mask also. Yes, they came in wanting to go no mask and tried it out. And it was too much. It's too much for these, for us, for families and our kids to bear. But my kids are strong and and they're they're working through it, but it's it's not without pain and, and turmoil. So, so the school on that next Monday brings my kids in and drops the discipline hammer on them and says they're citing them with a level two B offense, mass school disruption. That right, level two B means creating a mass school disruption. Yes, offense. And that's what they're both accused of. They're both not only accused, but of and formally disciplined on their formal record. And they said if they do it again, they were gonna send them to alternative school for 10 Quick, days. Quick, tell us what alternative school is. Uh, alternative school is where all the kids go who actually do bad things. Violent. People who, violent things, people who, kids who have murdered other kids, people who are in real trouble. And my daughter, who is 11, they're willing to send her there. They're willing to do that. Okay, this is, is truly astonishing. I mean, I, I do I often use the expression petty tyrants. I think there are, I mean, I, I think fear plays a big part of it, and I do want to be fair to those. There are also people that just love power, and they can, they've made rules, and doggone it, you're going to do it. No reasoning allowed, no facts allowed, no assessment of truth. We've made a rule, and you're going to do it. Yeah. So, so, okay, so go on with your kids. So okay, we? So, so we are in the Monday after they basically went back to class. And that Sunday before the Monday, I actually had a mother at the school who is the SBDM chair, which is the site-based decision-making committee, which is a TEA sanctioned position that works directly with the principal on things on the campus, and who's also a former employee of the TEA, this woman. Texas Education Association. Texas yeah. Education Association, yes, agency organized on our school Facebook page, a mob of parents against me, saying that I'm making a political statement and that these kids are gonna do this again and come to school and disrupt everyone's learning environment. And that Facebook page is 55 comments deep of parents spewing hatred, intolerance to my family, and she even organized and encouraged these people to email the board of trustees to discipline our family. I'm telling you, the hysteria, the, the pitting us against each other, it is, it is, I've never seen, honestly, if you told me this two years ago, that America could get dissolved into these camps and, and people turn on their friends, or, especially when you have the real facts available, I would have thought it wasn't possible. And this is a woman who's been in education, who advocates for education, and who knows better. She knows better than to do this to a family, and especially a family who she knows personally. Some of the comments on the page are like, those kids should be lucky, they're getting one-on-one -on -one education. Those should be, kids should be happy that they have their little glass box where they receive their specialized education. And they're you know, making it sound like we're against teachers and that we're against the district, and we're not. The teachers who actually initially showed my kids some compassion, the, the kids came home to me. Pearson Caroline came home to me and said, Mom, these two teachers have been kind to us today. Can we do something for them? They give them handwritten notes. Let's buy them a Christmas gift. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah yes. let's, I have always taken care of our teachers. And so they're acting like we are these just insane, contagion, disgusting people that are worth hating. And all of these parents who are normal human beings, I believe them to be all be good people, have been overtaken by this fear and spewing this hate. 
And so then that week started weeks of absolute harassment and hate. My daughter had a fifth grade boy come up to her that same week from that post and say to her, walk up to her in the cafeteria when she's sitting alone and say, you deserve to die. And then followed her out to the playground and tell her again, you deserve to die. Did you complain about that? I did. School? I did. I complained at the school. I filed a police report and they say, that's not bullying. That is unacceptable behavior. Case closed. And, and therefore do nothing about it. And it has nothing to do with the post that this mother has organized. There's no correlation there. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, give right. me a break. Yeah. So then nothing to see here case closed dallas isd police the nice man uh, who took my report he even looked really concerned and then all of a sudden it's case closed um and then my kids again this week now are last week and this week i received text messages from the son of that woman who organized that facebook post yep. around me harassing me then screenshots himself and puts it on a group chat with my son to harass him basically look at what i'm doing to your mother and then on Monday, her other son sends group text messages that my son wakes up to saying that we're leaving the school and spreading rumors. I give all of this to the school. I've given it to the district. And what they tell me is those are isolated incidents and there's no bullying here. This is not bullying. This is not bullying. She said, in fact, this is not bullying. This is unacceptable behavior. They've invested- That's gotta be a distinction. Their policy, unacceptable behavior might be like, you know, chewing gum or something. And so they just ignore it, but not, not worthy of discipline. They have investigated bullying against my kids since the day one of them walking in without a mask. I've had teachers ask if my kids are unenrolling from school in front of their peers. Kids constantly harassing them to put a mask on their face. They are in the library, the most public place in the entire school. I equate it to a public stoning. So kids every day, and what I want to tell parents is that my kids aren't the only ones being abused. All 600 kids in that school that are seeing what is happening to my kids is it further instilling fear and hatred in those kids. My daughter had little first graders come up to her and say stuff to her. The kids don't know what they're doing. It's the parents, it's the educators. It's the administration. And, it's Fauci, yeah. it's everybody. Fear has overtaken people and it's, it's harming our children. It's harming them. Okay, so at this point where it stands, the kids still, your kids are still gonna go in and go they to- They went today. And went to classes, try to go to classes. They, they, we did not advise the kids to go, to try to go back to class because they were gonna stick them in that alternative school. And that was really scary for us. Oh my gosh, you'd have to pull them out of school. I right? even yeah. have the principal on email lying and intimidating and coercing my children, saying things like, just put on a mask. Can't you just write a letter or something? Can't you protest some other way? Can't you, um, oh, and threatening my son, this is a magnet school, and saying he's about to apply for high school. He sa she said to him, which is not true, let me make it clear, Pierce. If you do this again, I mean try to go down to class, you will not be able to apply to another magnet high school in Dallas ISD. It's not true. And in her email, oh. she said, oh, I must have misspoke. No, ma'am, you sure did not. You made yeah. it very clear. You I have it on record. It's like you threatened him. Okay. Threatened so him. I, you know, throughout this whole discussion, what is the reason you're so opposed to masks? Is it because of all the information I was reading about? Well, for your kids, why was the, the no mask thing you felt so strongly? Sure, it's, it's a lot of reasons. But the number one thing is I think it is terribly damaging to children. One, I agree with all the science that they don't work. One, they don't work. Right. Two, I think they instill fear. I think they're dehumanizing. And I, I think they are a means to control and get kids to comply. And I genuinely believe that the long-term effects are way worse than the 99.97% survival rate of COVID. It is instilling fear. And I don't agree with them. Both of my kids are medically fragile, mind you. And I still think fear the fear being caused with the mass is way more dangerous than brushing up against COVID. Maybe, maybe. There's not even a guarantee that they're gonna catch COVID not wearing the masks. So there's just no efficacy. It doesn't make any sense. And I just also believe as a parent, I have a right to assess our risk in our household. 
yeah. right? That the school it's does a risk not, assessment. not their job to assess your children and their health risk and make policies for them as the parent's job. Yeah, my son has survived three open heart surgeries. Where was the school when I was assessing what doctor would cut my kid's chest open, right? I, I assess that risk. My husband and I assess that risk. Not Hinojosa, not the teachers. And my kids, and they say, oh, it's for the protection of others. My kids aren't sick and I wouldn't send them to school sick. Well, then they say, well, maybe they might carry it and be these super spreaders, right? They've turned our kids into contagions. Yeah, as you said, the super spreader thing, there have been many recent, in fact, on my show, doctors are saying that was a myth from the beginning, the concept that kids could be super spreaders and the reason they had to be shut down and they had to be uh, isolated and kept at home wearing masks is because they could be super spreaders. Numerous doctors on my show, actual epidemiologists who treat people for COVID have said, not true, that was a farce, it was not true from the beginning, no evidence, no study has shown otherwise, and yet it continues to be, as many other false statements about COVID continue to be kind of the lore, kind of what everyone's supposed to believe and understand and make policy based on. It's like we can't learn the truth with new information, new data, and adjust our policy and our reaction accordingly. We're like stuck on stupid, so to speak, with the policies when we first came uh, dealt with COVID. And regardless of what facts come to light, we can't seem to change our policies. We just stick with the ones that were not only unnecessary, but harmful. Okay, so you had these objections to the school. A school is, I mean, I assume at the beginning of the year, I mean, uh, you, prior to the school year starting, mm -hmm. your kids had had a normal experience at this school, they liked this school, you were, is that right? Or? Sure, yeah, Dealey Montessori was generally thought in the community be, to be winning the lottery in public school education, right? I don't have to pay for private. They're getting this specialized education. This school used to be wonderful. I would say, and you probably could talk to a lot of parents, it took a turn around the 2016-ish election and things became started to just become pretty hostile there. I mean, this isn't our first experience with bullying at this school, and I know other parents have experienced it, but this, it has been thought to be a good school. Oh, Dealey Montessori, I'll just tell you, because this show is actually not only nationwide, it's actually uh, worldwide. Uh, this school, Dealey Montessori, is a, is a great gift of being a public school, so there's not tuition. And yet, it used the Montessori system, which many people love. Our, our kids, and are very little, also use that too, love that. And it's a sought-after school to get admitted to. So your kids are this great school, you're a lovely family, and you have just run into a, I don't even know what to call it, a tornado of opposition to your simple, I don't want a kids to wear masks for all the reasons you say. Yeah, and I, the only thing I can rationalize and I think is, is that Joe Biden has called our superintendent, Hinojosa, and said, good job, way to defy the governor, right? And so they feel like, and then what you mentioned earlier in, in your five minute spot about the DOJ, right? Coming down and emboldening these many tyrants in this district that think they get a say in government in our life well beyond w what they should be doing. Absolutely. I just want a good public education. You don't For get- For which your tax dollars are already paying, go ahead, yes. Yes, and, and I don't want my kids suffocated in a box or suffocated with a mask or put on public display and systematically or have punished. Them evacuated around them, sorry, go ahead. Yes, okay. evacuated around, I mean, the punishment, it changed daily and it escalated. And all they would say is it's policy, it's policy. And I say, give it to me in writing, send me the policy. There is none because Hinojosa has made a unilateral decision to defy the governor and put in this mandate when there's no science and no anything backing his decision. His lawlessness has turned my kids into the virus. And they say the kids at Dealey, the only two are the only ones in the entire district. They're putting out all of that to make it look like it's just one rogue family who, who is causing all this problem. And Hinojosa has gone out on the record and publicly named our school and then said he's going to be firm and going to separate these kids. It's him. Hey. Okay, I, I didn't know he'd done that. Okay, so yes. I was going to tell you, first of all, for our listeners, there are, the reason I know about Lauren is because I mentioned there was a meeting this morning. I have two friends who are very, very well-educated, seriously responsible adults, very aware of data, like the data we talked about earlier today, who are part of the effort to try to say to the Dallas Independent School District, and the same message needs to go to school districts around the country with mask mandates, you actually have adult parents wise, thoughtful people 
who do not want the mask mandate. We have good reasons to not want to put masks on our children. We have good reasons to oppose it. We are responsible parents. Please listen to us. And they are running into the brick wall, the same brick wall that parents went into when they tried to challenge critical race theory. It's kind of like we decide you know, what your children, we, we indoctrinate your children, you don't get to have a say. We decide healthcare policy for your children, you don't have a say. And this is a very, uh, this is a, a talk on the show so often about the, the uh, growing Marxism in America, the growing uh, power of the federal government. And the, as long as the government grows in power and the people don't object, they permit it to happen, it's only going to become more and more and more. So I understand some people listening might say, well, well okay, go ahead and wear a mask. But then what, which I'm not saying, but then you just, at what other, what point do you say, at some point, we're the parents and there are kids and we decide, and we're paying our tax dollars, are paying for this public school, and we ought to have our children respected and our, our the parents respected. One quick thing, so have you been like a big political protest person your whole life? Absolutely not. I went to my first ever rally the other day um, for medical freedom. No, I was a mom who, like a lot of people who didn't want to watch the local news, and I, I just wanted to live my life. I just thought I, you know, the American dream existed. I just wanted to send my kids to school. I want the, uh, an opportunity greater than I had growing up. And we just want to live our lives. No, I've never done anything else. I don't go on TV. I've never been an activist. I'm not an extremist. I'm literally just a mother who wants to be able to access public education and who wants their kids to have a loving environment. I was driving to school the other day and just wishing for my 11 year old that fifth grade was something about reading fun little novels and laughing on a playground. And now she's just met with nothing but horror and abuse at school. And no, I'm just, I'm a regular person who has come up against their line. I'm at my line, I am bubbled over, I won't take it anymore. That's a great ending for this interview. I must tell you folks, I urge people all the time to be active and one very, very local way almost everyone can be active is at your local school boards. If you think this story, which I find utterly horrifying and outrageous, this is not an isolated thing. This is just one I happen to be have come across my plate today and was able to, uh, fortunately for us, invite Lauren Davis on to tell us about it. But this is a, a one school here, Dealey Elementary School in Dallas, Texas, happening all over the country. This is the time to speak up, even if your kids are grown or you don't have kids, to tell school boards you're actually not in charge. You're not in charge of these families. You're not in charge of these children. You're not in charge of indoctrination. You're not in charge of their health care policy. Because if we don't stand up at this local level, this is how tyranny grows and how we lose our rights as Americans. I'm bumping up against the end of my time today, so I want to turn and tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. We start our show today at the beginning, uh, talking about Merrick and mass madness in America. Uh, Attorney General Garland has officially unleashed the FBI on American parents who object to the teaching of critical race theory because critical race theory teaches children to hate each other because of the color of their skin and to hate America. Attorney General Garland's son-in-law is the co-founder of an education company that spreads CRT teaching materials to schools across the USA. So Attorney General Garland's weaponizing of the FBI against upset American parents supports and is likely to enrich his daughter and son-in-law. Sounds like a conflict of interest to me. The radical left, of whom A.G. Garland is clearly a part, forever show you who they are and how they operate. They are smarter and better than you, and they will shut you up to maintain power and collect wealth. They are profoundly anti-American. And also on the mass madness, America is paying a horrific price for, for censor, from censorship and suppression of real data regarding every aspect of the COVID policy regime. America's frontline doctors have been clear for months. Many studies of masks predating 2020 show masks do not stop the spread of a virus. Children are at virtually no risk of death from COVID and do not need to wear masks. According to doctors who have been on my show and many other places, children suffer serious developmental problems, anxiety, and more from the mandated wearing of masks. Yet Dr. Fauci continues to deny, suppress these facts, and big tech and petty officials enforce Fauci's views. He creates a pandemic of fear and ignorance. Uninformed and underinformed school officials all over the USA continue to flounder and impose draconian anti-COVID policies. The fear pandemic is far more serious and society afflicting than is COVID. 
I want to take one moment to thank our guests. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. I just hope parents stand up. They need to stand up. You need to stand up. Amen to that. I'm Debbie George Addis. This is America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. America, can we talk truth about America?